Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. All right, welcome once again to Believer's Church. My name's Joe. If you came in late, I'm the lead pastor here at Believer's, and we are just so excited that you're with us. All of our guests, we're so excited you're with us, and I have the privilege today of just teaching lesson two in the series called The Table, and Pastor Graham did an incredible job last week, and I'm excited about teaching this second lesson. You know, years ago, when our kids were younger, some were in high school, some were in junior high, um, whenever we would have guests come over to our home and we were going to feed them, uh, my kids loved it, and my kids hated it. I loved it, and I hated it. I love the part of the meal Gina prepared. I love the part of hanging out with the people, but I hated the prep and I hated the cleanup because it, it took a lot. But our kids used to say to their mom, they'd say, Mom, uh, can you cook like this every day? And mom would say, hey, I work 40 hours a week and uh, I can't take this much time with a meal. And you know, when, when, when you're working during the week, you know, you cook and we'd come home, Gina would come home uh, you know, after eight hours, I'd stay a little longer, then I'd come home to eat with them, and then uh, the, everything would be in the pans, and we'd grab, a, you know, our everyday dishes, and we'd get our silverware, we'd go to the stove and get it out of the pans, and then we'd sit down and we'd eat together. But man, when you had guests, Gina used to do an elaborate table, like this table for the guests, and she's real creative, so she would even make centerpieces and do things like that. And uh, then she would spend hours cooking. And she'd cook things that we normally wouldn't eat during the week or when we didn't have a guest over. And so that's why the kids and I just loved that uh, part of it. But then the part we hated was we had to deep clean the entire first level of the house. And uh, we had our kids washing windows. We had them, some were mopping floors, some were wiping down cabinets in the, in the kitchen. We have these black vinyl cabinets, so fingerprints show, so they're wiping down all the cabinets. And somebody else is cleaning the bathroom. And we have them doing tons of work, and I'm doing all kinds of work. And then the part that was amazing is, you know, 15 minutes before the guest came, Gina would sit us down. And, she, and, and I don't know why she sat me down with the kids. I, you guys figure this out. And she would say, she would say, now you have to be on your best behavior and you can't talk like you do normally during the week around the table. And she'd kind of look at me during that time. And she'd coach us. And, and, and uh, so we were all on our best behavior. The kids knew what they could say, what they couldn't. I knew what I could say, what I couldn't say. And guys, we're going to talk about how that parallels church today. And again, I want to welcome you to the table. And I'm sitting on the most important chair that every church should have. This chair is the guest chair. This is the guest chair. And we're going to talk about this chair today. We'll also call it chair one. So you'll hear me call it chair one. You'll hear me call it the, the guest chair. Here, here's a sad stat. Only 1% of churches in America prepare for this chair, the guest chair. Only 1% of churches. And every church will have visitors, so that's going to happen in every single church. They'll have a couple visitors just randomly, but if a church wants tons of visitors, you have to really plan and emphasize for this chair. So we're going to talk about being a chair one church. Now this second chair over here 
This is the new convert chair. And uh, you can't even have this chair unless you have that chair. And every church might have, they say 99% uh, of churches in America will have maybe one person a year that accepts Christ, but only 1% will have way more than that. And obviously that chair, the guest chair, feeds this chair. And if you don't have that chair, you won't have this chair. I remember in our early days as a church, one of the things we were really good at uh, we did a lot of street evangelism. We did a lot of street outreach, which is good. I, I don't have, I love that kind of stuff. But we would have hundreds of people accept Jesus, and none of them would ever come to church and fill this chair. And, and so I figured it out. If you want this chair filled, it's not going to be by going out and doing street evangelism, which is fine and good, but you're going to have to emphasize this chair because it's the guest then end up accepting Christ and filling this chair. Now, this chair here, you guys should love this chair because this is you. This, this, is, this is the Christian's chair. That's who it represents. Now, in a church that doesn't emphasize the guest chair, uh, this is going to be filled up with a lot of professional Christians. And uh, one pastor I listen to on a regular basis, he's a little more in-your-face than I am. Uh, I'm not an in-your-face guy, but he's really an in-your-face guy. And he, he calls the professional Christians, he calls them UFOs, um, unidentified freeloading objects. And um, <laughs> I thought it's too good not to say. Um, you know, he says they just have enough of Christianity not to catch the disease, right? And, and uh, they're, they're professional, which means they would be more self-centered. And God's purpose is just for them and them alone, their life. And, of course, if you emphasize this chair, the guest chair, then this becomes Christ followers. And here at Believers, we just have a ton of Christ followers, guys. And I'm so proud of you, and I'm so thankful for you. And then we have this chair over here, and... This would be the chair that's equivalent to all, all the people that cook, like Gina when she did all the cooking. This would be my chair. We could call me the dude with the food. And uh, this is my chair, guys. And uh, I am the one that has to prepare the food, but I'm telling you, that chair, in my opinion, is the most important chair, the, the Christ followers, in order for us to reach chair one and guys I'm so proud of you and you'll hear me say it over and over today but you know just like when Gina prepares uh, food at home pre prepares food for guests she has three macro ingredients you know she has proteins carbs and and fats and we can we can cook those up in fancy ways we can cook those up in very you know everyday ways um, and as a pastor as a teacher of the Bible I only have two macro ingredients I have to work uh, work with and one is called milk you know the Bible talks about the milk of the word or the Bible and it, it says desire the pure milk of the Bible so you can grow thereby then the, the Bible also talks about this other macro ingredient which is meat and obviously you have to have teeth for meat right you have to be uh, older or more mature to handle the meat and in Hebrews chapter 6 God rebukes those Christians because he says this. He says, when you should be on the meat of the Bible, you're still sucking the bottle. And he says, all you're doing is sucking the bottle because we, we're going to need some milk. We always need milk. But he says, guys, that's all you're on. And you should, you should have gone up a level to 
meat. So that's what I'm working with. Every time I go to prepare a lesson, I'm working with milk. I'm working with meat. So I want to make sure you understand what parts of the Bible those are. So here's the milky part, right? Milk is the part of the Bible that talks about who you are, what God's done for you, etc. And there's no responsibility attached to it. So uh, an example would be you know, when you study in the Bible that when you accepted Jesus, you became a new person on the inside and, and you have eternal life inside. That, that's all the milk of the Word of God. It's very important. The grace of God, that message would be the milk of God. Very, very important, but there's also meat. So uh, here's what the meat of the Bible is. It's how to live your life as a Christian. It has to do with vision casting, serving, loving, praying, giving, forgiving, etc. And all of that has responsibility attached to it. And so that's why it's meaty. It's called meat because we have to do something. Now obviously we can only do it by the grace of God, but it's the do part of the Bible. And if you want to just have some fun this week, read the book of Ephesians. It's six chapters. And the first three chapters are milk. You know, it talks about how he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings and just all these milk things. It's really awesome. And then the last three chapters, chapters four, five, and six, they're the meat. And that's where he tells us, you know, husbands, love your wife like Christ loves the church. And wives, respect your husbands. And then it talks about put on the whole armor of God and swing your sword and pray all the time. It's the meat of the Bible. Now, here's, here's what I have to do. I have to ask myself, guests are coming, so how do I take the meat, how do I take the milk, how do I mix it up? So I'll do milk series, I'll do meat series, but whenever I do a meat series, I throw lots of milk in. I always talk about, if I talk about serving, laying your life down, forgiving, you always hear me say, man, only by the grace of God can you and I do that. So I'm the dude with the food that has to think about this guest coming in, and then we're going to talk about what happens to all the other chairs. And here's what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. If you are aware of the guest chair, you grow every chair. And this is what's been so amazing to me. Uh, over the last seven years, eight years, I have been absolutely blown away. I've watched God's grace do things in your lives. I've watched God do things through our church. And I just shake my head and say, God, I have never witnessed you doing such incredible things. And, and, and I watch this chair and how much you guys have grown, and I'm like, God, I can't believe how these guys have grown. I can't believe the amount of guests that come here. I can't believe the amount of people accepting Christ. But God, this chair, whoa. The, we have some incredible Christians in this, chair, in this church. They are Christ followers. Well, that's because if you're aware of the guest chair, you, you just simply grow every chair. So I want to talk to you about uh, what it means to be a chair one church and this is vision casting. So this is a meaty message but we're going to have a lot of fun and I'll throw a lot of milk in there too guys. But here, here's a really cool point. Chair one churches have to work harder. Just have to work harder if you're a chair one church which grows every chair. I want to share a story with you. It was our 20th anniversary and um, I decided you know 20 years is I mean, for Gina to put up with me for 20 years, that's like, I mean, she deserves a nice meal, right? So, 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 so I, uh, I mean, come on. So, so I found a restaurant in Cleveland. It was an upper-end restaurant, and it's the kind of restaurant you go to once a year or so, and, and uh, I made reservations. So we drove up there, 
And we arrived. Gina said, I'm going to use the powder room. I said, I'll get our table. And so uh, I went to get our table, and uh, they, they were walking me to the table, and they said, you have two choices. One was a table up front. One was a table on the way back. And I took the table on the way back, and I thought I did a good job. And, and uh, I ordered coffee it, because it was cold outside. So then uh, Gina came back to the table, and she just sits down and says, sweetie, why did you pick this table? This is not a good table. And I said, honey, you know why I picked this table. And, and, and the reason I picked it was whenever I'm in a public place, I always sit as far back as I can with my back to the wall, so in case a crazy terrorist walks in in the front shooting, I have time to react, right? I have to have time to react. I don't want to be in the front where I have no time to react. And there's guys all over the church, they tell me, I do the same thing. And because uh, God's created a man to be protective, you know. And so Gina knew that, but she, she looked at me and said, honey, did you see that door? And I said, no, I, I, ambience, I don't know, what's ambience? And so uh, I, I said, no. And then just as she said it, the door opened and it's the door to the kitchen. And right when it opened, I heard some people, waiters and waitresses screaming, table one ready, table one. And you hear all people are running and moving like crazy. And then all of a sudden I noticed waiters and waitresses just pouring out. She said, can, can you get us another table? I said, I'll, I'll try. And uh, I, I called them and they said, no, the, the other table is taken. We don't have another empty table for an hour. So we had to sit there, but it was interesting. Um, uh, it, it, we had a lot of interruptions, uh, but you know why that kitchen was so crazy? It was because they, they were working hard to bring us this. It was the most amazing display and food, and the table settings were amazing. They knew we were a guest, and they wanted us to want to come back, and so they worked like crazy. And that's what happens in our church. Uh, what happens here behind the scenes is just like the kitchen at that restaurant. Our volunteers work like crazy. And I'll never forget... This is maybe seven to eight years ago. My son Joe uh, sat me down. And you know, when we get older, uh, we get set in our ways, right? It's like, it, it's work, let's, it, it's not broke, let's not fix it, right? And Joe sits me down and said, Dad, do you notice how many mistakes we have during the service? He says, we have a cue mistake here, a mistake there. He said, I think we need to do rehearsals. I said, a rehearsal? You mean before church? He said, yeah. On Saturdays, we'll do a rehearsal, 3.30. I said, no, that's going to ruin my prep time. I said, I have my, I have my thing going here on when, how to get ready for a service. He said, Dad, we, we have to do it. We have to do it. And, and, and so then he said, Dad, if we do it, you're going to have to sit down and talk to all the volunteers that are on the tech team and in the band. And, Dad, we have to have whoever works Saturday night, they have to work Sunday morning. And back then, tech people, band people could do Saturday night, and then they wouldn't come Sunday, and we'd have a different crew on Sunday. And Joe said, Dad, we have to rehearse. We can't rehearse on Sunday morning. It's too early. So um, we have to use the same team. So I had to sit down, and I shared with the tech team and the, the band years ago now. I said, hey, guys, we're going to need you to stay through all three services because we want, it, we want to practice. We want it to be perfect. We don't want mistakes. Uh, we want to work harder for our guests, you know. And a couple of them couldn't do it because of their schedules, and that was sad. They wanted to, but their schedules didn't allow them.
But now that's what we do. And we're out here at 3.30 uh, for a 5 o'clock service and all the volunteers are coming out early. You know what else I noticed? All our other volunteers are here early too. I mean, the people in the lobbies, the children's workers, they're all here early. And I'm like, whoa, I was always in my office. I never noticed all that. I came out just for the service, you know. And, and it's like, in order to be a Chair One Church, you have to work harder you have to prepare everything has to be just right and you have to train your people that's why in the lobbies man everybody people we get comments on our our website about first-time guests tell us i've never been to a more friendly church in my life and it's just all you guys out there doing what you do so well and guess what had to happen when we decided to be a chair one church i had to work harder and it was crazy. I had gotten to where it took me about 10 hours to do a lesson, 10 hours of study. And in the early days, it took way more. And when I began to prepare for the guest, my study time went up to 20 hours. And I'd have a headache at the end of the week. I had to work so hard. And I had to decide, you know, how can I say this so every chair grows, so everybody's blessed. And here's what I noticed. I had to work harder, but here's the most awesome thing, guys. On any weekend, I can go in the lobby, and I'll have someone walk up to me, a new convert, they'll say, I just accepted Jesus today. You guys need to hear this. And they'll say, man, this, this church is so awesome. I'm going to be back next week. And then they'll tell me, I, I've never understood the Bible so clearly. And they'll say, man, you just allow the Bible to make sense. And, and yet, on the same weekend, I'll have someone that's been a Christian for 30 years, their Christ follower sitting in this chair, and they'll come up to me and say, that changed my life. I never saw it that way. And I think, oh my goodness, how can I reach this guy that doesn't know anything about the Bible, reach that guy that's brand new, and reach that guy? You, you just have to work harder. So guys, you are doing an incredible job, and I am so thankful for what we do as a church. And again, I'm vision casting. Here's another thought that's just awesome. Everyone wants to reach chair one until it's occupied. And, uh, because when you, when you occupy this chair with guests every week, you start filling that chair up. And you know what Proverbs 14.4 says? It says, if there's no oxen in the stall, the stalls are clean. What's, the, what's it saying? When you have oxen in the stalls, you have lots of poo-poo to clean up. And uh, that's what it's saying. And you know what? When you have new converts in that chair, there's lots of poo-poo to clean up. And, and uh, I had one person come up to me years ago when we first made some changes, and, and they said, there's just too many baby Christians around here. I remember days when we didn't have any baby Christians, and I don't like all these baby Christians. And, and I said, listen, listen, listen. I said, that's actually a good sign. Uh, it means we're producing. It means we're re, you know, procreating. And I said, that's, that's what God's all about. And, and I said, but there is going to be a lot of poo-poo. Uh, for all the parents in here and grandparents, I don't know about you, but for Gina and I, we would say, now may, maybe it's because we were a little stupid, we had, um, we had four kids in five and a half years. Wouldn't recommend it, okay? But, but we will tell you, we will tell you um, that the toughest time of raising kids were when they were infants and toddlers. I, I feel it got way easier once they got older. But boy, did that take a lot of energy. That's the same with having babies in your church. It just takes a lot of energy. And that's why many people uh, would say everyone wants to reach chair one until it's occupied. But, but here's the thing, guys. If you're aware of the guest chair, you grow every chair. So this chair now, because we're aware of this chair, they're growing new converts, which means this chair, the Christians, we're laying our lives down, man 
to, to, to reach these guys and to, to have connect groups for them and to grow them. And guys, again, you're doing an incredible job. I'm just throwing vision out there today and telling us we are doing an incredible job helping people understand the why behind the what here at Believer's Church. And then this one's amazing. You'll never understand a chair one church until you bring someone to church. And uh, if you've ever brought a guest, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But let me tell you a real true story. When I was a young Christian, I, I, I went to my second church. I had left the first church I went to, went to a second church. And I would sit there, and I wouldn't notice all the things the pastor said. It, they just zoomed right over my head. But that particular pastor, in almost every message, he would cut Catholics down. And I'm an ex-Catholic, but it was just zooming over my head. I didn't notice it. And then, and then he would cut down Protestants from mainline denominational churches. And, and that just zoomed over my head. And then he would say crazy things about prosperity, and it just zoomed over my head. Like he'd say, he'd say like, uh, pastor, every pastor should have a Rolls Royce, and they should be paid better than the top CEOs in a company. And, and it just like zoom, zoom, zoom. I'm not noticing any of it. But then I invited a guest one time, and I invited a Catholic friend. I ran into him out in the store, and I said, hey, you got to come to church with me. And he said, okay. He said, that's fine. And he said, if, if, if you can change, anybody can change, Joe. So, so he came to church, and, uh, and, and we're sitting there, and then I noticed everything. I noticed things in the worship that I never noticed. I noticed uh, things in the message. I mean, right while I had my friend there, and I'm hoping he meets Jesus, that pastor started to cut down Catholics, and this guy's Catholic, and I wanted to crawl under my chair. But then he went on a rant about, you know, having, driving a Rolls Royce, and, and then I wanted to get out of the building. But I had told my friend I'd take him to lunch. So we're at lunch, and he just looked at me and said, I'm worried for you because that's one crazy church you're attending. And that, all I could do, guys, at that point, all I could do is tell him, you know what, yeah, my pastor's not perfect, but this is about Jesus and where you're at with Jesus. And I had to pull it to Jesus because otherwise it just wasn't going to work with this guy. And I guarantee you, if, if you've never brought a guest, if you bring a guest, you will appreciate our church a hundred times more because no matter what topic we talk about, I'm going to do it in such a way that anybody can handle it. And I hear that all the time. Now, you understand there's always one out of 100 people that are going to gripe about everything. You understand that, right? Or their hearts are closed or not ready for Jesus. But I'm guaranteeing you, the way our volunteers work, the way we do church, man, everybody's going to love church when you bring them to church. Now, here's something that I want to exhort you on. You guys are already doing a great job. Chair One Church members have to display and pray. We have to display and pray. I have to do this. You have to do this. And what do I mean by disp display? We all know what pray means. But, but here's a scripture for us. 1 Peter 2.12. Live an exemplary life among the natives. That would be the non-Christians. So that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. arrives. The last part translated is they'll accept Jesus. They'll be in heaven with us, okay? Now this part just is really interesting. So that your actions will refute their prejudices. Did you ever notice, and we can see this politically in our country, did you ever notice that Christians get picked on more than anybody? It's just everybody picks on Christians. And did you ever notice you could join a cult 
and most of your family wouldn't care. But you, you go to a church that loves Jesus and people, it ruffles people's feathers. It's like, oh, don't go to that church. And, uh, and, and so why is that? Well, the Bible talks about this guy that's going to come somewhere in the future. His name's the Antichrist, which means against Jesus, okay? And yet the Bible says even now there's many Antichrists that are here. And it talks about the spirit of Antichrist. And all that means is our enemy puts all kinds of thoughts in people's minds to make them not like Jesus. And the way we can fix that is by our lifestyle. Look at Live an exemplary life. And what happens? You begin to refute their prejudice. Or they look at you and say, you know what? I thought this about Christians, but man, if that's what a Christian is, I want to be that. And, and how do we live an exemplary life? Man, guys, we just... We just display Christ. We're kind. Uh, wherever we go, when you have friends and family over for the holidays, where you work, students, where you go to school, you, ju you just try to live like Jesus would live, and you try to react like Jesus would react. And you know what that's doing? It's breaking down people's prejudice and opening up their hearts to want to accept Jesus. And then we all know what pray means, right? We all know what it means to pray. It just means we cry out to God and say, Lord, I want you to bring them into the kingdom of God. Lord, I want to see them accept Jesus. Lord, would you open up their spiritual eyes? Lord, would you take the blinders off their eyes? Lord, would you open up their heart to meet Jesus? And we just pray. And I trust, and I, I know the majority of you, we're, pray, we're all praying for people like that, right? And we're living the life in front of them. And then there comes that day when we say, hey, come to church. And when you bring them to church, I just want you to know up front, man, we have a guest chair, and I'm excited about our guest chair. So that being said, I want to close with some stats. And we, I heard these at our, we had our volunteer banquet Friday night, and I just want to share a couple of these stats with you so we can celebrate. Because you know, you know how I told you, uh, since we've become a uh, chair one church, how that chair is full, the new converts, and how this chair is full of mature Christians. I want, you, I, want, I want to rejoice in our fruit, guys. This, this is amazing fruit. So this is the total for adults and students. I didn't take the children because the children would, uh, I didn't have the exact number for children. Uh, but this is first-time visitors, okay? So this year, today, at the end of November, not including December, we've had 917 first-time visitors. That's not counting the kids that come with the family. Can we give it up and say, whoa! That's amazing. Guys, we've done what we've set out to do. We've become a chair one church. Now this next one, I want to ask you to hold your applause so I share all, I want to break it down. So let me break it down first. Our total salvations uh, to date, not counting December. Now December with the Christmas BC, you know, Christmas at BC, it's going to take the numbers way up. Uh, but these are total salvations, all right? This is our adult children and students. This is within the four walls uh, of our building, not outside our buildings, not a missions trip, not anything like that, not street evangelism, just inside these four walls. Um, we have a total this year to date of 1,027 people that have accepted Jesus for the first time. Now hold off, because this is exciting. That comes out to 93 people a month on average accepting Christ. That's 21 people per weekend on average accepting Christ. Can we celebrate and say thank you God? I mean that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Now listen, listen. You hear me say this all the time. I said it at the beginning of this message. Um, it's only by God's grace that this is happening. All we do is we, we said God we'll cooperate with you. 
We'll be a chair one church. We'll, we'll work harder, God. We'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll do what it takes, God. We'll lay our lives down, God. Uh, we'll, we'll become followers, God. Uh, we're not going to be professional Christians, but guys, it's by the grace of God. And you guys are absolutely awesome. So here's, here's how I want to close. Can we, can we pray? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. They are amazing people. Lord, I thank you for every single one of them. And Lord, you know what? All of us have some loved ones. All of us have some friends that we want to see meet Jesus. Maybe we invited them to church and they didn't, they didn't say yes. Or, uh, Lord, maybe we're waiting to invite them. Maybe we want a door to open to talk to them. But, Lord, right now we want to pray for all of our loved ones that we're convinced don't know Jesus yet. And, guys, here's what I want you to do. You can whisper this. No one has to hear you. But anybody that you love and you say, I'd like to see them meet Jesus, would you throw their names up to God right now and then join me in my prayer? And Lord, all these names are coming up before your throne. Here's my prayer. Lord, we ask you to convict every one of them of their need for Jesus. Lord, we ask you to open up their spiritual eyes and their heart. And Lord, we cry out for them to come to know Jesus. Lord, we ask you to send laborers to them to enforce what the family's saying. And Lord... We ask you to open a door for us to invite them to church. And Lord, you're hearing all these names. Names are still going up. Lord, we thank you for doing that in every single one of these dear people's lives. And Lord, we thank you for growing us as individuals. And Lord, I thank you for all the passionate followers. Lord, I pray this for all of us, myself included. Take us to the next level, Lord, in our walk with you. And, and Lord, thank you and help us become even a stronger Chair One Church. We thank you for what you're doing doing now heads are bowed eyes are closed maybe you're here and you say pastor joe i'm not sure of my forever if i were to die i'm not sure if i'd go to heaven or hell maybe you walked in not being sure if you even believed in god so i want to talk to you for a moment now listen listen really close i'm not asking you to join our church or religion i'm not asking you if you grew up in a church or you were water baptized as a baby or an adult those are all important things but that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, can you remember a day in your life when you made it personal and real with Jesus? And if you did, you would know it. A day when you said, Jesus, I believe in you and I make a decision to follow you. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember that day, but I'm ready today. This is my day. I'm ready today. Maybe you're a guest. Maybe you've been here a couple of times, but you say, I'm ready today. I'd like to pray with you. Listen, Jesus said, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. Jesus said, you can't go to heaven by working for it. It's by simply believing in me. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, that's me, I'm ready. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner and I do repent for all my sins. But I realize that's not enough. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe and I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.